The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. Greg Smith is sitting across from me, resisting the urge to watch the new music video of the stupid Old Town Road song. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to put me on blast right on the beginning. We are podcasting from the office. It is a weird Lincoln day. It rained for like 30 seconds and now the sun is out. Um, the The Hail Varsity yearbook photo shoot is done and apparently my brain is turning off because of it it's done three days at the stadium photographed close to 100 players um paul bellinger did some fantastic stuff and we're gonna have him in like 20 minutes he's a little bit later you guys are gonna hear some thoughts from him he's got kind of a unique insight he gets the players to open up in ways that not a lot of photographers do so uh we talked to him last year and i wanted to talk to him again so that's coming up in a little bit but first craig smith is at the other end of the table from me, or across the table from me. Um, and we're going to start with your thoughts on in and out because I need this uh, to be public <laughs> knowledge after Adrian Martinez just crushed my heart. in and out is trash. Yes, it is. I don't understand. Like, I often, I've said this before on Twitter, and it always sparks a debate. I feel like the people that love in and out have never actually been anywhere outside of California and had other burgers. Like, I just, I'm always surprised at people that don't live there that stand for in and out the way that they do. It's it's weird. It's not good at all. Like, and I've had it in multiple locations at multiple times of the day. Like, I think I've given it three or four shots, and... Every time it's been trash, there are far superior burgers out there. It is like a Sonic burger. <laughs> Sonic burgers are kind of good. I'd rather have a Sonic burger. Okay. So and they're tops. this conversation tops. came up because Chris Walsh, uh, our video guy, I don't even know how we... Oh, it was... So Whataburger announced that they are like looking at expansion or exploring options for their company that continues to grow. And I was like, oh my God, please put one in Nebraska. I'm from Oklahoma. I was about to say the South, but I'm from Oklahoma. So I like, I don't want Brandon to reach through the computer and punch me or something like that. Um, I'm from Oklahoma, so I like Whataburger. And I would like one to come here. And while she was like, no, no, in and out is so much better. And I was like, please, stop. No, it's not. I'm usually on, me and him are usually very much aligned. We are not on this. Well, and at that time, Adrian Martinez was at our at our spot getting his picture taken and so Walsh was like let's just ask Adrian and see what Adrian thinks and of course Adrian's a California guy so I don't think they have water burgers in California so I don't think so um, I'm just going to throw out his testimony because it's not applicable but he said he's an In-N-Out fan and he wouldn't even put Whataburger in the top 10 which just hurts my soul uh, and then Walsh said the same thing that he would put like five guys above Whataburger and I'm like come on price has to matter at some point because you could go get a burger and fries at five guys and you're spending twenty dollars on yourself yeah like water water burger needs some respect put some respect on its name yes please also please come to lincoln and maybe uh give me a sponsorship deal because i talk about you guys all the time so if you're listening come at least a sticker for your laptop at least i have two of the the the, the little um 
number of things that they give you to set on your table. Yeah. Have you seen those online? I have. I think so. A long time ago. So yeah. I have two of them in my apartment. Okay. You are not supposed to take them. No. You can get no, in big trouble if you take them, apparently. I was back home a couple months ago and asked the lady at Whataburger, this is before I had the two that I have now, and asked the lady at the front desk, I was like, is there a way that I can like buy one of these? Because I would like to have one because I don't live here. She's like, no, we can't give you one. And I said, well, why not? And she said, because people are stealing them and people are selling them on eBay for upwards of hundreds of dollars. Okay. so Hundreds of dollars when you can just walk into a Whataburger and steal one. Is that what you did? As we're admitting admitting the crimes on the podcast, I won't don't answer. Crime but time. but crime time, crime time. <laughs> crime time. But could, are you now going to sell yours for hundreds of no, dollars? No, I'm going to keep mine. It's what? a it because it's like it's the same thing with the boxes and boxes and boxes of valuable football cards and trading cards and Pokemon cards and Yu Gi Oh cards that I had from my childhood. I'm not going to sell them. They have sentimental meaning to me. Do you not have anything like that that has sentimental value to you that you wouldn't sell? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Honestly, probably not. Like I really? keep, I, I don't keep. Well, I do. I, I keep. It's going to sound like a, a cheap plug. It's not. I keep all of our magazines. I um, do that too. But I would not. I don't think anything else. And I, I kind of keep programs. Um, from the Husker games, we get those, those in the well. press box. So, but then, actually, after a couple of years, I usually toss them because I just get annoyed with keeping them all and I throw <laughs> them away. So I'll never be Mike Babcock, who has t- years and years and years of them. No, I made my wife sell her Beanie Babies. Like I'm not a you no. monster. Yeah, I guess I. No. Taking a step back, this conversation originated by me telling you that I wouldn't sell a little plastic cone thing for a hundred dollars <laughs> because it's water. I mean. This is what we do when we get together on this podcast. <laughs> Let's talk football. Oh, there is football. There is football. Um, not a lot of Nebraska news, but some of the biggest – well, I guess we'll talk football. We'll talk a little bit just NCAA in general because there are a couple things that I want to get your thoughts on. Okay. Um, so we'll start with the the NCAA is forming a working group to look into um, players possibly being able to profit off of – name, image, and likeness. Up until this point, that hasn't been a thing that they've been able to do. There was the punter or kicker or whatever the guy was in Florida who also had a very lucrative YouTube channel Mm -hmm. and was forced to choose between the two, and he chose YouTube because money. Um, But he shouldn't have to choose. There was a guy that I went to school with who had a woodworking business and was really good at it, would make tables and things like that, tables and chairs, um, and was not allowed to operate the business until he graduated because he played on the football team. Uh, Tyron Ferguson has a new energy drink company called Mixer that I don't really know how that's working right now. I didn't know that. Yeah. M-I-X-R. I'm giving him some free publicity. Um, Partially because he took my laptop yesterday and followed that account from my Twitter account (laughs) without my permission. Nice. Uh, I mean, what are you going to do? He's a large man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that has kind of opened this broader discussion of will players uh, what will this lead to because this in a lot of ways it feels like just the opening of a door to a couple of changes later down the road so what will this lead to has been the main question and to me it seems more like it's not going to be okay player x can now get paid because he's good at football as opposed to you can have a side hustle and you can make money off that side hustle 
Does it, do you get kind of the same vibe from this? Yeah, for the most part, because I just don't – I just have such a low opinion of the NCAA doing the right thing for the student-athletes. Um, so I would not assume that we're about to go to a, a space or a place where all of a sudden, you know, Wandale Robinson could have a car dealership endorsement because he plays on the team. Like, I just don't – I just don't see the NCAA doing that. Um, though I am I'm kind of interested in, like, kind of what we started off talking about with players having their own businesses and being able to run them because I think you would then end up with some really neat stories coming off of that because I had no idea about the Tyron Ferguson mm-hmm. thing um, that woodworking um, situation that you described is a really interesting one as well so like there could be a number of things like that for guys that really want to that really have an idea and want to get something going um, because there's plenty of those types of guys um, that go in especially guys that when you, you talk to them during the recruiting process and they're picking schools because they have good program X and it can be any type of program and they want to do something with that after they get out of school well you can start doing that while you're still on the team in this case so I think you'd be more towards that because you can also kind of tie that into an educational thing versus just saying a guy gets money off of endorsement for being him I think it's just a very weird line in the sand to draw for the NCAA because if you like let's say you start your own like let's just let's just use T Ferg's Hmm. as an example you start your own business. There are a lot of there are a lot of logistics that that come into play with that. I mean, you have to deal with marketing. You have to deal with sales. You have to deal with, um, in this case, like I guess the chemistry yeah, of that sure. energy drink. Like there, you're you're using tools that you have accumulated from school mm-hmm. to build this thing. So theoretically. That should be a good thing. That should right. be encouraged. Be a very you are thing, using yeah. the student portion of the student-athlete title just as much as you are using the athlete portion of the student-athlete yeah. title. And that is something that the NCAA don't leave out the student part. Right. Like, they, they're very old, you know, get off my lawn with that. Like, that should be encouraged. And the fact that it's not, that it's discouraged and that they're not allowed to have that stuff is very – it's a very strange – I almost want to say double standard to make. Man, it would actually be, it would actually be really nice if you could do something like this and just get a waiver for it, and then the NCA would do their thing like you're describing, where they would promote the heck out of it um, and say, "Look at our student athletes." But it, have it just be a case by case basis, and then that way they would have then gotten out in front of the whole name and likeness situation right maybe a little bit I think you still would have had calls for that but I'm trying to think of like the NCAA in my opinion has just kind of fumbled this whole thing and how they could have PR wise got out ahead of this and been in a much better place now than where they are today but I also don't know if they care do you feel like student athletes should get paid yes I've, I felt that way for a long, long time. Um, I, I think that, and I think the more you find out about the time demands that they're under, I feel like the more you should be on my side and a lot of people's sides of they should get paid. Like you, their time constraints are ridiculous. Do you think it's more the NCAA just doesn't want to open the can of worms of trying to figure out who gets paid and who doesn't and which sports can pay their players and which sports can't? Then it and then it has to do with uh, these players are amateurs and we're gonna hold up to this ideal of amateurism i think it's a little bit of both and it's a whole system of a fear of where does that money come from so when you have you know was it jim delaney 
a, a couple of years ago that said that the Big Ten would basically be Division Three if they had to pay athletes. And Dabo Sweeney, I know, said that they would he would quit before seeing something like paying players go into effect. Like, there's all these quotes Division from these three. three. Yeah, there's all these quotes. Did you see from how much money people. they made from this right. last year? Um, and so. I feel like people just don't want to give up money, which is, I mean, that's not anything new or surprising. But I, I feel like, especially in the case of a lot of these coaches, I think coaches are, I think coaches like Davo Sweeney directly see that money that would eventually go to student athletes and their football team that are out there getting injured for these games and for these wins for his right to make, you know, 10 plus million dollars a year. I think they see it as that money ended up coming out of their pockets. Interesting. I also think there's a little bit of a power dynamic issue at play because if you have a guy who ends up making more than his head coach because of multiple like like let's say Trevor Lawrence can have a gets a bunch of endorsement deals because he's Trevor Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. and he ends up making more in one year than Dabo Sweeney's making in one year like what's to stop that player from being like I don't have to listen to you I'm making yeah. more money than you, you essentially get to what could be what is the pro problem right and that's yeah. kind of the situation that everybody thought was going to happen with Kyler Murray last year at Oklahoma because his signing bonus or whatever his deal was with the Oakland Athletics was like five million and at the time Lincoln Riley was only making three and everybody was so worried that Lincoln was going to try to tell him to do something and Kyler was going to be like I'm not listening to you but that also would be a bad move. Like, I want to uh, imagine a situation where Kyler Murray had done that, right? So then what happens when Kyler's coming around for the NFL draft and teams are asking Lincoln Riley about what it's like to coach Kyler Murray? You know? Like, he already had, he would already then have that label of being uncoachable. I think the NCAA, at the root of it, just thinks that student-athletes are stupid and they have to coddle them. They have to protect them. Yeah. Because they can't make smart decisions for themselves and they can't do things for themselves part of college is learning it's all a learning experience another one that i want to talk to you about is and i included this i included both of these in my love hate column i've got thoughts on these so that's kind of why i'm bringing them up now um the ncaa is considering moving the three-point line in college basketball back mm-hmm. not to the nba line but to the international line which makes no sense they would not move the women's line they would keep the women's line at 20 feet, 9 inches, whatever it is now. Yeah. So you could get into an arena that hosts both men's and women's college hoops and also NBA hoops, and you would have three oh, different God. lines on the court, which from an aesthetic standpoint yeah, is garbage. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. a terrible idea. But just from the reasoning behind it is they want to kind of – Stop the spread of three-point shooting. That's the reasoning yeah. behind it? So you move the line back. And part of it is they want more space inside the arc so that it decongests action inside the paint so that theoretically it would promote more action happening inside the arc. Which makes no sense because they did this with the NIT tournament last season and three-point attempts went up and three-point shooting percentage went down yeah i don't this isn't a great idea like i didn't know that like all i I knew that they were looking into this or they made this rule um i thought i just assumed for some reason that this that they were moving to the nba line no um they're moving to the international and wnba line which doesn't make any sense yeah none of this makes sense to me do you have you kind of read kurt goldsberry from espn he's a former san antonio front office guy no he's basically like he wrote a book about the way the three-point shot has changed and part of that book there's a section in there where he talks about how to change 
the three-point line, how to change the structure and the the look, the actual look of the court to help kind of taper down the number of three-point attempts. Because the three-point line initially was put in and not everyone in the league couldn't hit it. Right. It was only a select group of shooters that could actually hit it at a decent enough rate to attempt it. But now it's everybody can shoot there because everybody is already shooting there because that's how they grow up. And so some of his suggestions are get rid of the three-point line entirely, get rid of the corner shots, have it to where each individual NBA team can design their own three-point line on their own home court because it's basically another home court advantage. Right. Kind of, kind of funky, but I could, I could. I that would be what I would prefer. I don't know how that translates to the college game, because you've got three hundred something right. programs. Maybe you do a, uh, you have there can be fifteen different ones. But I think, I just don't think you're going to get rid of three point shooting in basketball now. Like Steph Curry changed it. Kids shoot. You go to the YMCA and kids are shooting threes. They're not inside the paint. They definitely are. And it also opened up basketball, the game, to an entirely new realm of kids that mm-hmm. were not able to play it. Before. Which I do really like that. I'm a big fan of that yeah. portion of it. Um, they also, I can't remember if we talked about this article or not, um, about players in their increased shooting from very deep three-point shots and how, like, good guys like Steph Curry are at that. But Dame Willard Dame is another guy, Logo Lillard, um, that is really good at that. You mentioned Logo Lillard. Uh, sorry. We don't talk about that. I, I was going to throw in a thunder jab, but I decided not to. Um, yeah, so, like... I haven't taken shots at your Lakers for continuing to be a dumpster fire. Oh, so man, It's all right. Russell Westbrook is not one of the guys that shoots those threes. Um, so, like, it's... Well, he shoots him. He just doesn't <laughs> he make just them. So <laughs> He's probably shooting one right now. So... Making it probably, but like, but so oh it's in, <laughs> sorry, you opened up that door. I just kind of slid on through. He's currently in Oklahoma City shooting shots off the side of the backboard, probably. Um, but like, so that so I don't think it's going away. So, my point was, I don't think like guys moving out further like that, it's not going away. I do, I find the three point line design thing to be kind of interesting. Like, I would be open to seeing that in like the G League and see how it goes. Here's my proposal if you want to kind of tilt the game back towards skilled bigs. Because right now it's it's leaning way towards guards and guys who can shoot. So much so that a guy like Brooke Lopez goes his first eight years hitting three three-point shots total and then hit four in a playoff game a couple days ago. He was so good. He could be on the Lakers still, but that's a whole different discussion. I would propose shrinking the lane. Because I think it was like the 50s or whatever it was that it was widened for to to partially to make it so that guys couldn't camp out so close to the basket. They they widened the lane. They added three in the key so you couldn't just camp out in there. But there were guys that were just be, they were able to post up so close to the basket, and they were so much bigger than everybody else. It was just an easy bucket. So like George Mikan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lakers, guys like that. Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, guys like that. Kareem is a little bit. A little bit later. A little bit later. Um, so right now, when you have teams like like look at Nebraska's roster construction, mm-hmm. nobody on the team right now is over six foot nine. There's one guy who's over six foot nine. He's a 17 year old freshman. All right. The the if you shrink the lane a little bit, then big guys suddenly have more of an advantage because before they widen the lane, it was advantage big guy because you could just back your guy down and you could be two feet from the basket and you could lay it in. 
So if you shrink the lane a little bit, there's going to be a higher probability chance of making shots. Like your points per possession number is right now it's skewed so towards three-point shooting, it might come back down a little bit and maybe even start to skew towards inside the paint shooting. And that would be the way to, I guess, if you really want to get rid of the three-point shot or really want to change it so that you're not getting 50 a game, I think that might be the best way to do it as opposed to bringing the line back because people are still going to shoot. Yeah, they're still going to shoot this. And they're just not going to make as many of them. Yeah, and I'm sure like a team like Houston would do some analytics to see if they was still worth it to continue shooting them, and we'd see the trend from there. But yeah, I think I I wouldn't mind that either. I actually think that your shrink the lane, I think, is better than the squiggly line designs. And I'm not even talking NBA. I'm I'm talking strictly college here because the 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 amount of like marksman three point shooters in college is not. It's not great. No, there's not. not I mean, and like, you just the NBA with, has you a just lack end of sh- up with uglier basketball. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The NBA has a lack of shooters because there is a lack of guys that are really, really good at that particular skill. Yeah. But there are a bunch of guys who can hit layups, and there are a bunch of guys who can hit hook shots, and there are a bunch of guys who can score really close to the basket because it's a lot easier to score really close to yeah. the basket. So if you prioritize that a little bit more, or incentivize that a little bit more, that's how you get rid of quote-unquote get rid of a bunch of three-point shooting so, at least that's how i see it. so what we've learned here is that derek wants to bring back the traditional big man let me run the thing <laughs> let you run the thing so he can bring back the traditional big i man. will take jim delaney's spot okay <laughs> will you take his salary <laughs> no i will not take a penny that's bad let business it, let it all go to the big 10 schools who earn it okay that's worse business than you not selling your whataburger like thingies for your table. Man, I'd be really bad at running a business. Yeah, I see that. I'd be really bad. See that. Okay, uh, one more rule change is the, well, it's not really a rule change, but it's the 11 a.m. kickoff thing. You got thoughts on this? I do have thoughts on and this. you got recruiting thoughts on this. I, I do. Like, I, I feel like it's, I think it's bad all around. And it, like, it, to me, it was bad enough having the 11 a.m. what ended up being in the Big Ten ESPN two games to begin with. Um, And especially you'd end up with, like, Illinois versus Indiana or, in this case, Rutgers versus Purdue and, you know, those sorts of things. Just not great matchups. It's bad enough to have that. But to then say our solution for that and how we're going to improve that is then take the good games and make them brunch time, like – I, I don't understand why. Like, why would you want to do that? Because you, what you're trying to do is you're now you're going to take college football fans and just completely change their behavior. And then, but will how do you, you tailgate at 9 a.m.? That's my biggest question. That's my biggest concern with this. How do you tail? You can't drink beer at 9 a.m. Yeah, you can kegs and eggs, but oh you, I don't know that you. I don't know that you can do that past a certain age. Like I did that in, when I was no. actually in college. Like I would not do that now. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't do it. I wouldn't but I go work, but now. I wouldn't be able to. Yeah, I couldn't do it now. Um, but and that is a problem because that is such a huge part of college football. I'm sorry, I just threw you totally off. No, it's fine. Off. It's fine. Um, but there are lots of problems with this. You hit on a different one. But as far as recruiting goes, in you know, for Nebraska in particular, who you guys actually care about listening to this, like Nebraska's whole strategy is basically boiled down to in the spring, get a guy here for an unofficial visit to see a practice. 
then get him here for pro- hopefully the spring game, one or the other, get him back on campus for an unofficial visit during camp season, which is about to hit now, and then the culmination of all that, as we they've been building up, building up, building up, the fact that the game day atmosphere here is second to none, you then want that kid to come in for an official visit with his family for a game day. If your kickoff is at 11 a.m. for, say, the Ohio State game, that hurts you off the top of being able to bring in all the guys that you want to bring in. Like, it's no shade or anything like that to their recruiting ability. It's not about that at all, which I got a lot of pushback on Twitter about, oh, it'll sort itself out. It's about and, flight logistics. Yeah, they'll be able to figure – they were just fine last year having those 11 a.m. games. Yeah, I bet you they would have been better had they not had all those 11 a.m. games because what happens is, like well, you said – Ty Robinson was late to the Michigan State game. Yes, like, there were times where I can, like, give you real-life examples of Ty Robinson was late to the game. Now, yes, he committed anyway down the road, but, like, Lloyd Summerall came from Florida. And the point of mentioning those two is they're coming from opposite ends of the country, right? So when you've got a guy from Arizona that can't make it in on time in an 11 a.m. game, you've got a guy from Florida who can't make it in on time for an 11 a.m. game. Like, <laughs> that's not good. So especially if you want to then start recruiting, say, Arizona is a really important state for Nebraska now, right? There's a lot of offers out there because there's a lot of good players, and the state schools kind of stink, right? So, and then when in Florida or in the South, like all of those places also oh, hold up, are— Hold up, hold up, Don't try to slide Herm Edwards' slander past me. <laughs> yeah, that I is not. This is not that okay, kind sorry, of Okay, sorry. So th- they're on the rise. Kind of as much of a rise as there some state can be. So then, like all like all of these places as well are two flight away, right? You're not getting direct flights in most cases from these spots to come out to Lincoln. So Sometimes it makes three. it even harder, right? So it makes it even harder. Like I don't under it's not really even an arguable point that or there's nothing to argue that it's harder logistically for Nebraska to recruit if their best games are at 11 a.m. Because like a guy like so Quandarius Robinson give you an actual real example four-star outside linebacker from the state of Alabama already has it locked in that he's going to come to Nebraska for the Ohio State game okay if that game's at 11 a.m. it makes it that much harder for him to be able to do that Right. So I don't so it's not a good thing. So while they're going to want to build big visit weekends around these really big games. So Ohio State, Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, right down the road, maybe like it, it just makes it more difficult. It is not a win for the recruiting of Nebraska to have their best games at 11 a.m. There's my rant. Sorry. No, that was great. <laughs> I'm with you. I agree with you. 11 a.m. games are stupid. And that's before we get to the fact that they're not – 11 a.m. games, and I had pushback on this too on Twitter, 11 a.m. games are sleepy and they're not as much fun. Yeah, they're Like dumb. it is much more fun to have a game at night or even the 2.30 if you want to do that, but a night game at Memorial Stadium. How often have we talked about that? You haven't been here that long, and you we've talked about this. <laughs> like night games over there are different and it's special. Why would you want that to go away? Yeah, dude, that Wisconsin game in 2017, that was one of – I, I, the atmosphere leading up to that game was amazing because it was a night game. Right. If that game was at 11 a.m., I don't think it would have been the same. It's not the same. No. Well, I mean, part of it is just like the sun is not completely out yet. There could be clouds still in the sky. It could yeah. still be a little dreary looking outside. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> and 
your student section is either hung over from the night that's before, yeah. or they're not there yet. And would you know that's what'll happen too? So it'll be we'll get to the Ohio State game. It'll be an 11 a.m. kick, and maybe this year is a bad example because there'll be so much excitement for that either way. But still, though, I think you'll, people will come out of that game saying, "Man, I wish the student section was louder." Talk about the Wisconsin. Let's talk about the Wisconsin game. They're going to yeah. be late to the Wisconsin game. It's going to be 11 a.m. They're going to be late to the game, and they're going to get slammed for it on social media. Yes, and that will happen. Yeah, the same people that are tweeting us about how it doesn't like 11 a.m. games are fine will be slamming kids on Twitter not about being on not time. being there on time. Yes, absolutely, 100%. that's going to happen. All right, let's uh, let's go talk to Paul. And I'm just going to tell you guys ahead of time that I'm dumb and didn't have the podcasting equipment with me when I talked to Paul. Um, we're recording. Greg and I are recording this on a Friday afternoon. Paul and I talked on a Thursday night, and we did it on my phone. So <laughs> um, that's coming now. We are recording this on a Samsung phone because my idiot self said, "Hey, let's do a podcast," and then forgot to bring any of the equipment that I needed for the podcast. Uh, but Paul Bellinger, superstar photographer, has been great enough to sit across from me inside of our office right now and talk into the butt of a phone. Yeah. Paul, man. It's my pleasure, man. How are you? It's my greatest honor to talk into the butt of a phone with you. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're done. Three days of the, the, Three days. the Hale Varsity yearbook photo shoot. We're finally done. Yeah. You are finally done. Yes. We always shoot like 92 players. Something like that, yeah. How many photos do you think you have? 90 plus. Well, some like, I don't know, a couple, maybe 5,000, probably. That's a lot. Probably around, I would guess, like maybe close to a terabyte of pictures. Well. Might be a little under 800, might be 800 gigs. And you, uh. It's a lot. You you did something a little different this year. We did a lot of Mm -hmm. color last year. Mm -hmm. Players loved it. And you mixed it up this year and you did something different. So I guess just kind of. I want you to tease what's coming in the yearbook from a from an image standpoint. Okay, yeah. So we did something uh, way different than we've ever done before. We stripped everything away. We took away all the color. We took away all the props. And uh, we're going to run some black and white images um, on a white background. Very simple. And yeah, I mean, uh, like, I think there's a Kanye quote, like, as soon as they love you, make them unlove you or something like that, right? Courtney. Something like that. Something probably. like that. We'll just say it's it's a Paul Bellinger quote now. No, it's a Kanye quote for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> soon as soon as they love you, make them make them unlove you. Something like that. As soon as they like them, as soon as they like you, make them unlike you. Okay. You know. So last year we had a great success with our color background. We had all these props and all this stuff, and it was like a smooth shoot. Everyone liked it. So then this year, you know, we thought that was kind of our coming out party for Frost and for Hill Varsity under new ownership and stuff like that. So this year, we thought, let's strip it all away and go back to the basics. And so we went with a, a, a lit up white background, and we're going to run it all in black and white. So we simplified everything. Uh, the images are like pretty simple. I had one stool and one black box to propose the photo, the, the uh, players on. And yeah, it was pretty difficult. It was like basically like we tied one hand behind our back and then... Uh, try to do shoot like 90 dudes and make them all look different and try to not replicate any poses like hopefully every image that comes out in the magazine will look different um so yeah it was a tough one but 
we've survived and the players, you know, the players are the ones that bring the energy. I really rely on them because I rely on them to like bring the energy and to give me something different. Each one of them to like, I basically just create an environment and then I try to let them just expose themselves, you know, like show themselves to us. And sometimes they bring it. A lot of them do. And then um, sometimes I got to like try to like push them a little bit, like get them out of their box a little bit, you know, so they always make my job easy. But this time, like from a from a setup standpoint, we handcuffed ourselves and made it pretty tough. But it's going to come out with something looking very classic, very classic, very timeless. And I think it's like a back to the basics mentality that the, the team itself is kind of going through as well. So it fits perfectly with the team. You know, the team had the coming out party with Frost. You know, it was Frost's first year. We want to do something colorful, celebration, all that kind of stuff. But now in year two, it's like, let's go back in time. Let's go back to the basics. Like, let's go back to the 90s. Let's go back to a black and white, simple background where just the players uh, by themselves, their portraits are going to have to stand on their own. You know, so that's kind of the concept of it. That was kind of my next question for you. You just kind of hit on the, the energy that either the players bring themselves or you kind of have to coax out of them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the best parts about you as a photographer is you create this environment where the players feel comfortable and the players feel, um, they, I, energy is a good word. They feel energized. Yeah, energy. And you get kind of this, I want to say rawness out of the, the, the players that maybe someone like myself or other people in the media can't get, especially when we put a bunch of TV cameras in their face and bright lights in their face. Yeah. They get a little bit closed off, but when they're mm -hmm. in front of your camera and they're talking to you, they're very free. Mm -hmm. um, and I asked you this last year, we had you on the podcast last year and I asked you this and, and I kind of want to ask you the same question. Like, what do you hear from players um, that that stands out to you? Kind of talk me through, I guess, what, what are they saying? Mm -hmm. Do they like Duval? Do they like mm -hmm. where they're at? Like, what are you hearing? Well, what I'm hearing for one is that they're lifting way heavier than they've ever lifted before. I mean, guys, like so many guys, countless guys said that they're squatting like 800 pounds, 700 pounds. Okay. Because like I've recently get, got into lifting a little bit and I can just tell you right now that that is an insane amount <laughs> to squat. Like people don't put that in perspective, but like any average person walks into a gym and tries to squat 200 pounds, they're going to get folded over. And these guys are full, squatting 700 pounds, so and 800 pounds like and stuff like that. Like, like, and and like, like T. Ferg was telling me like he he can squat like 800 pounds like 10 times or something like in a row. That's ridiculous. So these guys are getting super super strong. Sounds like what Duval is doing is amazing. They all look bigger. They looked bigger last year. They look even bigger now, even bigger. So I think the energy is good. It feels like sort of like a hard work mentality um there's not as much you know like maybe flashiness it's more about just sort of like grinding it out like they're they're they came in sore like their hamstrings like i have them like sit down on a low box and they're like oh man like we just came from squatting heavy you know and stuff so like so i could see like they were sore we had them on wednesday it was a recovery day and like almost every guy that was in there was sore i was asking them about so i mean it just tells you like how hard they're working and I just don't think that, like, you can deny the fact that strength, general strength, like, if you can squat, if you go from squatting 500 to squatting 800, like, that's going to translate into the field. There's no question about that. Like, there's an absolute fact. So I think that's huge. Um, talk to some other people. Just 
like outside of the working out stuff, just the confidence levels are high. You know, our quarterback's coming into his second year. He seemed so much more mature than he did last year. When I saw him last year, there was still a quarterback competition between him and Jebbia, you know, and he he came in and I mean, he seemed like a kid out of high school. I mean, he was just in high school before I shot him, you know, and so like he came, he comes in, he looks like a man now. You know, he's leaned up like he almost had like his baby fat still last year. Now his face looks all chiseled. I mean, he talks and walks like a man. And so like that confidence, like that trickles down to the whole team as well. Talked to Boodle and I said, you know, what's different this year than last year? I said, are you more confident this year? And he said, I'm more confident every day, you know, and it's just like you got to think like probably the strength training like facilitates that like you see yourself putting in that hard work you see your numbers going up on your squats and your bench and stuff like that it has to translate into confidence so i think that the confidence level is up um and overall the attitude is very positive you know very very positive everyone is like really high on nebraska right now so last year it was the same though you know everyone was pumped up last year as well but i think this year they just seem like they have like more maturity um and and I don't I want to say it's like it's like last year they sort of had like uh, unfounded sort of confidence, you know, like Frost was only been here for maybe four months when we shot them last year, four or five months. And there was all this hype around that. And they just thought, you know, everything's going to be great, you know, but we saw them at the depths of their lowest points throughout the season. Like I remember seeing Boodle after that Iowa game in the locker room, you know, and he still had his chin up. But at the end of that season, and we saw him at Northwestern, a heartbreaking loss, you know, and guys were down after that, like heartbreaking loss, but they turned around and came back. But now they've gone through all that and we see them. It's like a, it's like a much more justified type of confidence that they have, it seems now. Right. So that seems to be the energy of the team. Um, but it's always hard to tell, you know, like I think they always present a pretty strong face with, with us. Um, but I think definitely the physical size is pretty objective. I mean, that's not subjective at all. It's it's totally objective. They look bigger. Right. Tons of guys look, their arms are just jacked now, you know. And we saw a little bit of that last year, some of the guys that were hitting it hard. But even guys like Adrian Martinez, like, he, he looks, like, much more developed than he did last year. So I think, and then obviously when your quarterback is, like, coming into his own, that's going to trickle down to the whole team. So I had one player tell me that um... – when Frost got there, it just they just felt like they were gonna roll. They felt like because Frost yeah. was there, because like UCF, he's the silver bullet. Yeah, because yeah. UCF had just gone undefeated, that it was just they were gonna roll. Yeah, and they get into the season and they start zero and six, obviously, and confidence is at an all time low. But yep. it seems higher up um, this year. And I and I talked to one player at the shoot, and I asked him, "Is Duval pushing you guys a little bit harder this year?" And he was like, "No, the workouts are the same." We're pushing ourselves harder. Mm -hmm. I, I guess my question for you is, do you see a difference? Is there, is there a noticeable difference in, and you kind of just touched on this, a noticeable difference in energy or confidence or, um, I guess, optimism for the season? Do you think it's, you made the comment that it was a little bit false last year. It was just kind of excitement and hype over Frost. Yeah. Does we it, were all more confident. I mean, even does me. it feel like that now? No, I think now the confidence seems much more founded. I mean, it seems much more grounded in reality. Like they went through that zero and six, 
and then they came out, they put up some good games, you know, um, like that Iowa game was a heartbreaker. Like, I mean, that was a really good team. They almost won that game. So I feel like they came through all that, through all that adversity. Like I remember so vividly, like you intervie- interviewing Boodle after that game and he just had his head up high, you know, and I just saw that confidence. Like, look at them. Like I saw them after that Northwestern game, they had their heads down, you know, and like that was a devastating loss. And to see them lose that Iowa game and Boodle to be standing there in that hallway in the Iowa stadium, just with his head up and just like talking so confidently, like they're going to come back next year and kill it. And then to see like now it's, it's obvious they put in the work. And so I think what I kept asking them about, so I talked to a bunch of guys, it's my fourth year doing it. So there's a lot of guys that I came in with four years ago doing this shoot for the first time. And now, you know, looking at them, like, they're so much bigger. They're so much more confident. They're full-grown men now. And they're all telling me that, because I was asking them about their workouts constantly. That was, like, one of the number one topics that I talked to them about because I'm interested in that for my own self. And uh, every one of them has said, I said, what's different about this year than last year? And they said, we're putting more weight on the bar. As simple as that. Like, nothing is different about the program. Duvall is making them do the same stuff, but they're all lifting heavier. They're putting more and more and more weight on the bar. So to me, that's just like, it's it's such an objective strength, you know, is going up. And so I think that that just can't help but translate into confidence and energy on the field, you know. So that's that's what I said. Uh, every single person, I mean, I asked them so many more, so many times. And I said, what's, you know, what was different like under previous coaches? What's different now? What was different last year? They said, the difference is our maxes, our max weights are all going up our reps they're doing 10 reps they're doing all this metabolic stuff where they do 10 reps and then wait like one minute and then and then do another 10 reps and they said the weight is just going up and up and up so i mean i think that there's no i mean it's like there's no way that that couldn't translate into higher confidence you know because it's an objective number like i was squatting 300 pounds i'm squatting 400 pounds you know so to me that's amazing and that's 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 fantastic like i've seen it in my own lifting career you know and i can see it in these guys they all stand taller they all look bigger and i just think there's just no chance there's no question that's going to translate into on the field performance can't wait for it as of recording this we are 100 days away from college football oh really today yep Yep. today is 100 days away on a thursday afternoon we're 100 days away so we're getting close that's awesome we're getting close that's awesome and when the yearbook comes out that'll be kind of the next benchmark that i have on my personal calendar for like we got to get to here before and then we get to this and media days is my next benchmark Mm -hmm. and then football is right upon us it's right down the right around the corner we're almost there i'm really excited to see how the yearbook turns out you got some killer images i was able to kind of get some previews of them so yeah always appreciate your work and thanks for taking some time to talk to oh yeah everybody absolutely man absolutely yeah it's fantastic uh, the yearbook's going to turn out great. I think our team is looking up and up. And I think we got some leaders on this team now, too. You know, like we had guys that graduated last year that were leaders. but And I was worried because we had some like serious guys you know, like Stanley, Luke Gifford, Gerald on the O-line, uh, Tanner, Farmer. I mean, like we had some guys that were like really cornerstone dudes. And but, you know, guys are coming up to fill their shoes, you know, and so I think that like the Farniak brothers and, and uh, our, our DBs are there. We got depth at linebacker now. Like, I can't tell you how many guys that I photographed. And I'm like, what position do you play? Linebacker, linebacker, linebacker. I'm like, this guy looks big. And linebacker, linebacker, linebacker. I'm like, we got some depth at linebacker now. Like, that's something we haven't had for several years. 
So, and then that's not even considering like we really shot all the linebackers this afternoon, you know? So throughout the, throughout the first two days, every other huge dude that came through was like, oh, I'm a linebacker. And there's like redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, stuff like this. But then today we got to see all the big guys like Mo Berry and T Ferg and all these guys. And it's like, man, we got some depth on our defense now at different positions. And, um, our D-line is looking bigger. We got Darren Daniels transferred over. I mean, I think our D is going to be so much head and shoulders better than last year, even despite the fact that we had some some great dudes like Luke that are going to be gone, you know? So, like, we had some serious, like, Antonio Reed and Aaron Williams, like some veterans that we lost, but I think we got guys coming up in their sh- that are going to replace, fill their shoes. So You made this comment when we were – uh, before we started podcasting that you're trying to grow your instagram so before we close this out i'm gonna give you a chance to shout out your oh yeah where people can find your work it's pj bellinger on instagram pj b-e-l-l-i-n-g-e-r on instagram i haven't posted since last august i'm like very superstitious well you're gonna have I'm not to superstitious. now because people are coming <laughs> yeah i'm a little stitious <laughs> 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 to steal a quote from the office but uh yeah like so i gotta get on that i'm gonna start posting these pics again i'm gonna post last year's yearbook and then uh, get ready to post this year's yearbook uh, come fall. Can't wait for yeah. it. Yeah, awesome. Thank awesome. you, man. It thanks was a for, pleasure. Yeah, thanks for spending some time talking. No problem. It's always, always it's appreciate al- the insight. It's always my greatest pleasure to do this, you know, to shoot the team, like do anything I can for these guys. So, yeah, thank you. Cool. Follow Paul on Instagram. Look out for the yearbook. Okay, back with Greg for 10-ish more minutes, maybe. I want you, you just put out a new list of Greg's guys. I did. So tell us about it. Um, Greg's guys, it's out. Talk about it. Talk about talk about Greg's guys. Uh, Greg's guys, if you don't know for some reason, it is a list of my top 10 players uh, for 2020. Why is it called Greg's guys? Do you really want to know the real? There's, an, I, I'm not going to say who it is, but actually, another somebody asked this. No, no, no. Actually, another person in the Nebraska media came up with that because I was talking on my former radio show about the guys that I liked in recruiting, and that person said, "Hey, you like recruiting so much now, you should call this list of people Greg's guys." And when I started this job, I then continued to use that. That's identity theft right there. Yeah, that's Not actually... identity theft, that's intellectual theft. Ah, well, I think he kind of regrets making that uh, <laughs> move because it's now become a thing. But, yeah, whatever. Those are the breaks, bro. So, <laughs> um, and usually, typically on the list, it's not committed guys, but I'm going to start with not necessarily the number one guy because I started the same. Nash Hutmacher is number one again. No shock there. Um, he's taking a visit to Oregon right now um, and still has his trip to Wisconsin planned for June. But I want to go down to, I believe it's number seven, um, really intriguing player, Jackson Bratton. So he's a linebacker out of Muscle Shoals, Alabama. If Muscle, Muscle Shoals, that's hard to say. If that sounds familiar, it's because that's the school that Logan Smothers, Nebraska's quarterback commit, just transferred to. So not only are they teammates, but they also grew up together. They're best friends. Jackson has said that he will take an official visit to Nebraska when Logan takes his official visit, whenever they end up doing that this season. I don't have a date yet. 
that's a huge deal. Um, it's not not only because of the friendship and all of that, but Jackson is a fantastic player. In Big Red Recon today, I actually compared him to other guys that we've talked about a lot, like Micah Parsons and Owen Papo from recent classes. Like I think he's wow. that good. Like I think that he's the best linebacker that I've watched on film uh, for the 2020 class. So he's a big deal. Um, continue to keep an eye out for how much um, Logan is working on him to try to get him on campus. And it sounds like Nebraska is going to get him on campus. And Nebraska isn't the only place that he's visited. I think he will end up taking his other, all of five of his official visits. He took an unofficial to Texas A&M uh, over the winter as well. So he's keeping the door open for other schools. Um, and we'll see if Nebraska can kind of get in there. And he's committed to Alabama. Alabama, that's right. Yeah. Um, Xavier Watts was number six. Yes, he is. Should he be higher? I feel like based on is that. Now, I'm not questioning you. I'm just saying based on the um, level of interest that people here have about him, it kind of <laughs> it catches me by surprise each time I see him not higher on your list. So here, so uh, I'm taking you behind the curtain a little bit on this. So it's tough. It's really tough to rate him because of that, right, on this list. And it, it's not a – I mean, to, if, to be sixth out of all of the prospects out there is not a slight. Um, but it is – it does not match up with the level of questions that I get about Xavier Watts, which is fine. But kind of the same thing happened last year with Chris Hickman. Like, it was really similar, where he was a huge prospect of interest um, throughout the process last year. And he kind of stayed in this six to nine range um, throughout the time that he was on the list. I think Nick Henry which was was number one until he committed, and I kind of I stated that multiple times um, because of how big of a deal he was to the staff. Um, but no, he's he's about in the the spot because if you look at the guys ahead of Watts, I mean, Caden Johnson, the linebacker out of Minnesota, is number five. Um, it's a really great athlete. He's been in Nebraska, by the way, this spring. He was on a visit here. Uh, Omar Manning is a JUCO wide receiver that we don't talk about a lot. He's number four, but he's big six three, two fifteen former TCU um, guy who's now bounced back to JUCO. Um, Roger Rosengarten, who's out of Colorado, big 6'7", offensive lineman, is number three. And then Quandarius Robinson, who we talked about a little bit earlier, taking his official visit um, for the Ohio State game out of the state of Alabama. He's number two, and then Nash is number one. So, like, I mean, who are you bumping down <laughs> to be able to bump Watts up is also a little bit difficult, too. You got a running back on this list. <laughs> there number 10. Running back from on this Tulsa. List. Like, and I'm, I'm very very excited to finally get a running back on this list. Um, not because I have like this deep love of running backs necessarily, but because it was very difficult to kind of figure out the pecking order, and it still is, of who they like at running back. But Savion Morrison out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, you're excited for an Oklahoma kid, again, potentially, um, is a really, really good running back who has blown up over the process. Nebraska, and stop me if you've heard this before, they offered him early. They recognize him pretty early, um, and it's hard not to recognize someone when they have 2,700 rushing yards and 38 total touchdowns during their junior season. I'm surprised he didn't blow up more before this. Um, and, it, again, you're in a situation kind of like last year with Jamie Nance and wide receiver with with uh, OU. Like, OU has their sights maybe on some bigger, air quote, time running bags. So if he slips through the cracks and doesn't end up at OU, Nebraska would be a fantastic landing spot uh, for Savion Morrison, who will be in Lincoln on June 21st um, for their kind of VIP barbecue deal that they're having again ahead of Friday Night Lights. This is uh, it's just funny to me that you mentioned OU and you don't mention OSU. 
when you were talking about him slipping through the cracks. So he doesn't I'm, have an OSU offer, which is absurd. I never. He, you know what the weird thing? I don't. Tulsa's like thirty minutes away. I don't Stillwater. ever think about OSU. Like, and it's a weird thing. And I don't know. Maybe if that's my mistake, but for some reason, I, when I'm thinking about Oklahoma recruiting, like the state of Oklahoma recruiting, because Nebraska has made an effort, like for real effort, to try and get into that state more. Um, I really only think, man, does that guy have an OU offer? Huh, it's going to be kind of tough to get him. It, but if Oklahoma State's on the list, they're on it. And if they're not, I don't really pay attention well, to it. And I don't know if that's good or bad. And they're not usually on the list. Like, I don't know. What what do they – like Gundy's thing, they don't offer – they're like one of the lowest offering teams in Power 5. So that list that the Rivals guy tweeted out, yeah. most offers for this upcoming class, they were like – 60th out of 65 or something like that. Uh-huh. Like, Gundy's not offering a ton of people, which doesn't make any sense. And they don't offer – so then by because of that, they also just don't offer a lot of in-state kids then either which at a think- time that Oklahoma is a very good high school football state from what I've noticed of, of Nebraska really getting back into that. I hadn't paid attention to them before. Nebraska didn't recruit that state very much. But now that they are, man, there's talent there. Yeah, and I don't mean to devolve this into an Oklahoma State – or an Oklahoma conversation no, because no. I know you guys don't care about that. But Oklahoma State's weird and Mike Gundy's weirdness in recruiting is to Nebraska's benefit because yes, Ryan Held has ties there and they're recruiting that area really well. And Jamie Nance should not have gotten out of the state. And some of the other guys that have gotten out of the state in recent, like Dax Hill. Yeah, that's going. Wild. Where did he end up going? Michigan, did he? Did end he stick up? with did Michigan? Did he stick with Michigan and go back to that? I can't remember. He I might have. But he, he's out of the state. Yeah, yeah and they either had way. His we know brother on the team. <laughs> that's weird. His brother was on the team. That's really strange. Very strange. But it's to Nebraska's benefit. They're getting in and recruiting Oklahoma and, and getting down and recruiting Alabama really hard, getting into yeah. Georgia, getting into some places where they haven't been in a while, which is encouraging to see. Yeah, I think the, I think the strategy basically go coast to coast, go nationwide, um, and see what type of new um, areas that they can unlock with this staff and see where they can go from there. Because I think that they want, I think they're starting wide, and then they'll narrow their focus down. And I think that's how they kind of got on Arizona last year, for example. Um, Minnesota and Iowa, Iowa is definitely one of those places um, that they've kind of started to hone in on as well. So I think that they've got a pretty sound strategy overall on what they're trying to do now it's just bringing them in bringing them in it's very it's just really funny to think about all the people that said nebraska can't recruit why are these coaches going here and then you know you look at your list and there's an alabama there's a four-star alabama linebacker at number two yes they're doing it so they're everywhere yep everywhere tony tuyoti's hat is everywhere (laughs) his hat is everywhere i think is his hat still in hawaii now it should never leave Hawaii, honestly. If you can stay in Hawaii, you should stay I, in Hawaii. <laughs> I did, side note, but not. I did laugh very hard when all of a sudden Shenander shows up in Hawaii right. to recruit with him. I mean, yeah, I'm Take sure he was really upset trip. about that. Yeah, I'm sure. Because that was his territory before Tony Tuioti took over the jo- that job. Um, so I guess Chin said, hey, I'm not going to necessarily let that com- go completely. We can tag team this thing. I'm Two Nebraska you. coaches is better than one out here on the trail, right? Yep. And they've um, offered, I think, 12 or so guys since during yeah. this week in, in Hawaii. Did I tell you where I'm going for my honeymoon? Have we I, yes, talked about you did. This? Yeah, you did. We're going out to Hawaii. Yeah, you know yep. about that. Can't wait for it. So I've take never been. all the Hawaii time. Mm-hmm. I've never been to a beach before. Ever? Never. Wait, what? We were in Florida. Uh, we were at Disney World when I was 10 for a week, and we specifically rented a car when we got there so that we could go to the beach, and we never did. Never been to a beach before. Wow. We had a chance to go 
couple years ago, uh, and I said I wanted to go to Chicago instead. So we went to Chicago. I mean, greatest city on earth. I mean, I love Chicago, but... They got a beach. I've been looking at... (laughs) (laughs) There is a beach. (laughs) There is a beach. I've been looking at pictures of our hotel, and it's like, oh my God, this place is going to ruin all of the beaches for me. Yeah, it will. Now, that is definitely going to happen. Everything else is going to be a downgrade. I have to ask Tony for some recommendations on where to go and food to eat. Do it. Greg, thanks for joining. Good half hour of recruiting talk. Thank you for having me. I appreciate and it. Whataburger talk. In crime time. Crime apparently. time. <laughs> I incriminated myself on this podcast. <laughs> you did. And also confused identity theft for intellectual theft. So, whatever. Yeah. Crime is the theme. <laughs> I told you my brain turned off after the Thursday photo shoot. So, we'll have stuff throughout the weekend on HaveRC.com. Um, not as we are speaking, but Friday. Nebraska has a doubleheader with Michigan in baseball that could determine a lot of things moving forward. Um, so we'll have coverage on that. Kyle Cardell will have some stories up throughout the weekend on that. And then, obviously, recruiting never sleeps, so we'll continue to keep up with that. And Nebraska basketball is just going to sign 87 more players. So we'll have all the updates there as well. So keep it with LVRC, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Welcome to... that.